In the last two sessions, we've been examining Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1 and the excuses Moses offers the Lord in response to his call on his life. Now, there's one more detail I want to examine before moving on to the rest of the passage. Let's consider the verse once more, and then I want to focus on two particular words. Exodus 4 and verse 1 says this, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Exodus 4 and verse 1. Notice two simple words here. In the English Standard Version of the Bible, it says, But behold. Now, it's easy to pass by those two words without noticing them, but they're significant. They're translated differently by different versions of the Bible. The King James Version and the English Standard Version both use the phrase, but behold. The New King James Version translates, but suppose. And the New International Version translates, what if. Now, both the New International and the King James Version of the Bible translate the words in the form of a question by using the the word suppose or what if. Now, while the question is hidden in the King James Version and the English Standard Version, the implication is the same. Moses is asking a question here. In essence, he's asking God, what do I do if They do not believe me. Now, understand that prior to this, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 18, the Lord has already told Moses that the people would ultimately listen to his voice. Exodus 3 and verse 18 says, And they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now, please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Moses had the promise of God that the people would listen to him. But somehow he doesn't have confidence in his own ability to to convince them by his own reasoning. And he understands here that he needed something from God to convince the people and assure them that he was God's prophet. In essence, Moses is looking for a sign from God, evidence that would convince the people that he was God's man for the task. And that's clear in how God responds to what Moses says in the very next verse when God in Exodus chapter 4 and verses 2 and 3 says says this, And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. God responds to this question of Moses by giving him a sign. And this sign was intended to prove to the people of God that he was the man God had sent to them and carried with him the authority of God. Moses' question here is, 
worth examining. What if they don't believe me? Suppose they don't listen to me. But behold, they won't see me as from you. What do I do then? Now, anyone who has lived the Christian life for any length of time knows that things do not always go as we would like. Sometimes we have great ideas of what we're going to do or how our life needs to unfold uh, before God. And when that doesn't happen, we, we begin to wonder if we actually missed our calling. Serving God will not always be easy. There are going to be obstacles in life. And listen to the words of God to Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when, when God calls the prophet Isaiah into ministry. Listen to the call. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go. And say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the hearts of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until the cities lie waste without inhabitants and the houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. Do you see what God's saying here to the prophet Isaiah? I am sending you, Isaiah, to a people who will not hear what you have to say. As you speak to them, their hearts will become hard. As you speak to them, their ears will become dull of hearing. They will close their eyes to you. And Isaiah, as he contemplated this call on his life, he cries out, for how long, O Lord? How long do I have to do this? In other words, how long will I have to preach to a people who will not listen to me? But behold, but behold, Lord, if they won't believe me, how long must I continue preaching? And the Lord responds, until cities lie waste without inhabitants and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. That was the call of God upon Isaiah's life. Now Isaiah prophesied, of a coming Messiah. And listen to the words of Isaiah, prophetically speaking, about this Messiah who was to come and the ministry to which the Father had called him. This is what Isaiah says about Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 4. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. 
What was the response of the people of, of, that, of Jesus' day when he was walked on this earth? They despised him. They rejected him. They hid their faces from him. They did not esteem him. They struck him. They afflicted him. And in turn, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, had this to say about the dangers that were before them in the call that they had upon their life. In Mark chapter 13 and verses 12 and 13, we read, And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have put them and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Members of your own family will turn against you, says Jesus to his disciples. They will hate you because of your relationship with me. Jesus declared to his disciples that whole cities would turn against them and their message. The words, but behold, express a deep concern on Moses' part, but behold, Lord, they won't listen to me, but behold, they they won't hear what I have to say, but behold, Lord, they they will reject me. These words are, are not so much an objection on the part of Moses, but a question. What do I do, Lord, if no one listens to me? How do I justify my ministry when I'm not seeing the results and when everything seems to be going against me? Now, In our day, we want to see results. What business could survive if it did not have sales? We measure the success of a ministry in the same way. We want to see results. We measure the value of a ministry by its statistics. statistics. And the question we must ask ourselves, however, is whether this is how God sees things. What does a successful ministry look like? Well, a number of years ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop writing a chapter in a book I was working on. And after two or three hours of work, I was coming to the end of the chapter when all of a sudden my computer shut down for some unknown reason. I turned it back on and discovered that my work had somehow disappeared, and try as I might to to find that file, it was nowhere to be found on my computer. And I I remember the crushing feeling that I had and the words that I quietly spoke to the Lord sitting there dumbfounded. And I remember saying, Lord, why did you allow this to happen? I just spent the last two hours working on this, and and now I have to go home with nothing to show for it. I've just wasted my entire morning. And as I sat there somewhat confused and crushed, the Lord spoke to my heart. And I remember at the words he spoke to my spirit, Wayne, have you done what I ask you to do? And I thought about that for a moment and and responded quietly, you've asked me to work on this Bible commentary series, and, and that's what I've been doing, Lord. And once again, I heard the Lord speak to my spirit, then you have been obedient. You have done what I expected of you. And in the moments that followed... My attitude went from sheer frustration to one of peace 
and contentment. Results may or not be the fruit of obedience, but I realized then and there that God had called me not for results, but to be obedient. I leave the results to him. And as I returned home that day with nothing to show for hours of faithful labor, I was confident that I had been faithful. And that brought joy to my heart. The question, what if, or suppose they don't, reflected in the words, but behold, in the English Standard Version, is important. What will you do if no one listens to you? What will you do if people hate you for for what you stand for? What will you do if your church never grows beyond 10 or 20 members? What will you do if your marriage never changes? What will you do if things don't turn out as you expected? What will you do if, if circumstances seem to be going against you in your life? Everyone who's, is, who is called by God is, is, must answer this question. And what the Lord showed me in that coffee shop that morning has, has helped me to come to uh, an answer to that question. See, I need to be faithful to, to what God has called me to do and to Him, whether I see the results or not, whether life turns out as I expect it or not. My focus needs to be on obedience rather than results. And while God is pleased to use us to expand His kingdom, he, He's more interested in obedience than results. Consider the prophet Jeremiah and the constant rejection he experienced in his ministry on one occasion with the weight of that rejection and, uh, and seeming fruitlessness bearing down on him. He cries out to God in Jeremiah 20, for whenever I speak, he says, I cry out, I shout violence and destruction, for the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. There is within my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Burdened as he was with the rejection of his message, Jeremiah could not help but continue preaching. The message God gave him to preach was like a fire in his bones, and he could not hold it in or refrain from preaching it. He had very little to show for his work, and according to modern standards, his ministry would likely be shut down because it did not show value per dollar. But in the mind of God, Jeremiah was a faithful servant. He persevered in obedience despite the obstacles. The call of God may take you through unfruitful deserts. It may, you may find yourself lost in the forest of confusion or in the thick of the battle where all you can do is just hold your position. Faithfulness to the call of God is not measured in results, but in obedience, obedience in difficult circumstances, obedience despite not seeing the fruit for our labors, obedience despite everything going against us. Results may or may not be the fruit of our calling may or may not be the fruit of our Christian life, but obedience will always be 
the most important ingredient. And as you stand before God and hear his call on your life, the question Moses asked is important. But behold, what if, suppose they are legitimate questions demanding a response. What will you do when things don't turn out as you anticipate? What will you do when things seem to be going in the wrong direction for you? If it's all about results and statistics, then you will have plenty of reason to question your call. But if it's about obedience, then you will hold your position and leave the results to God. And even when the results are not evident, and even when things are not working out as you would anticipate it, you can know the peace and contentment that results from faithful obedience.